Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome back to the Strikecast. You know, we had an episode Monday and we spoke a lot about VAR, but we're back again Friday to speak a bit about VAR. Today I'm joined with, joined with Mike. Mike, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Yep. Uh, Happy with last yeah, night? Yeah, clean sheet, three points. We weren't at our best, but um, I, uh, you know, was it? I, I think um, large parts of the game we almost intentionally set off I feel like we were maybe trying to conserve a little bit of energy seeing as the, the way we got fucked over on these fixtures in regards to the FA Cup semi-final which is just an absolute farce really yeah so it's like, a giving, giving a, yeah giving the other team extra two days rest you've got to be joking in a big game an FA Cup final a uh, semi-final yeah it's, it's ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous and Solskjaer was is rightfully not happy at all and this this is an issue too, which obviously we haven't heard any other teams complain because they're not in the same boat. But a Chelsea fan might argue, well, you start the same team five games in a row, including a midfielder who's on the wrong side of his thirties. Do they have an argument? Um, to quote um, a esteemed uh, film scholar and um, film director of Manchester's um, home um, art centre, Jason Wood, who is uh, a well-known West Ham fan, fuck Chelsea. I don't care <laughs> what they think. So, <laughs> Right, into the game, because quickly I want to touch on VAR. We spoke about it Monday when I was joined by Leah, um, and I want to make a quick point of it now because... After the game last night, I've seen a few tweets from United fans who I agree with uh, complaining about BT Sports coverage of, of the game um, yeah. and how they gave about 15 minutes to fair decisions and not actually analysing the performance. So we're not going to go quite into that detail. We're going to quickly speak about it. Mike, VAR last night, you had the, the penalty incident between Victor Lindelof and Wilfred Zaha. Um, you had a penalty, was it a penalty call as well? Um, do you know, so where do you stand on VAR every week? I'm actually losing track of incidents now. Every week it seems the same thing. We're talking about it. It's taken up back pages. It's the biggest topic every week. Are you sick of it? Um, yes, and I, but I'm even more sick of the fact that, that all the pundits that talk about it don't seem to recognise that um, you need to make wholesale changes to the rules. VAR is ostensibly a good thing. But you need to make changes to the rules, you know. So you look at things like offside and handball. You need to create within the rules a margin 
like a wiggle room within the rules, right? So if someone's toe is offside, which wasn't the case in the game yesterday, Jordan Ayew was clearly offside. Like about half of his body was a yard offside. So that's just, there's there's no debate that you could see when they showed the, the replay, he was clearly off. But if you say someone's got like one toe or a finger or their nose, you can't give that offside. It's got to be, it needs to be something like a, a you know, if one, if a person's leg or their arm or something, they're using a limb to get ahead, that that's offside. And it's the same with handball. There was a Mamadou Sacco handball that happened the other night in a game. It was, it was never a handball. Um, but the rules of the, no, without that, it wouldn't have been a handball. But with all VAR does, it just enforces the rules that are there. So by those rules, it was a handball, right? It was, um, you know, it was like the, the 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 Bruno thing. You know, was it a penalty? It's not a penalty. Well, by the rules of the game, it was a penalty. You know, what 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 can you do? You need to change. You need to change the rules on that, uh, Quickly, or make it clear what VAR is allowed to get involved in and what isn't. And nothing was ever made clear. But what we don't need is we don't need ten minutes of TV coverage on a decision that was correct. What do you need 10 minutes of coverage of that? It goes, well, here was this goal. Yeah, it was offside. Great, let's move on. That doesn't really matter. I want to show you, I know our viewers can't see this because we're both on camera. I just want to make sure you an example of the picture that was used for the offside. And it's been thrown around social media, and I'll describe it the best way I can. So you have AU in an offside position, as we can all see. And in this picture, you got Wambasaka apparently playing him on. People are using this picture to show that VAR was got a, was incorrect. They've got the blue line themselves, and they've dragged it towards Wilfred Zaha's boot like Microsoft fucking Paint. Take a look at that, Mike. Can you see what I'm on about with that little blue going towards the boot? The blue line. Yeah, it's just crazy. Dave. They've drawn a blue line to attach to his foot to say that his foot's playing him off onside. It's yeah, not it's, in... it's like Donald Trump when he drew the marker pen around the whole state of Alabama to say that he was right about his weather forecast all along when actually the hurricane went nowhere near. So he just drew this marker pen with his, he just drew with a sharpie. That's what's gone on here. <laughs> it's just it's ridiculous and. The main, the, the main one before we move on from VAR is the for me was the penalty. I look back on it, I see what I seen what Soldier said that he got the ball first. I think Victor Lindelof gives away a penalty there, and I think if it was us on the receiving end of that, we'd be second. So when I saw it in in real time, I didn't think it was, and then I saw the replay. I thought it was a penalty. Yeah, it was a penalty. That should have been. That should have been. But that I don't think that wasn't referred, was it? That, I, I'm pretty sure I went to a VAR check. Well, that, I mean, it, uh, I can't remember uh, now. But I'm it, pretty sure whoever is in, in that Stanley Park or whatever the, the office is called, they're um, they're always watching incidents. So even if, like, that, yeah, in, that, in that case, that's that, that's really poor. That's an interpretation. That's a person's interpretation of the rules that is incorrect. But yeah, it was a penalty. He fouled him. He was very, he was clumsy. It was a very, very clumsy piece of defending. We're going to start, okay, with Victor Lindelof since we're here um, and talking about last night's game. I want to bring up some stats because, for me, I didn't think he had a good game. Uh, I was quite disappointed in Victor Lindelof again. I don't think he's a good enough defender. It's not as if I'm disappointed him again. I I, I don't rate him. Um, but some stats, which will probably amaze you if you agree with me on his performance against Palace, from Statman Dave. Victor Lindelof's game by numbers versus Crystal Palace, 100 tackles won. 100% or 100 tackles won, 100% tackles won, 100% defensive aerial duels won, 94% pass accuracy, nine balls, nine ball recoveries, which is the most in the pitch last night, one interception, and zero fouls committed. Mike, 100% defensive aerial duels won. What was he jumping up against? I didn't see um, it. I never see it. No, I've never seen him win a header in my entire life. I said this you know, to you before we started recording. I, I, I'm assuming I said it was like a ball must have like just hit him on the head without him even realising about it and a Palace player was stood nearby. You know when they say shots on target and it's just like, um, you know, uh, players attempted to cross and then he just missed hit it. It's just rolled into the goalkeeper. I'm assuming that's what it's what it's like. Um, 
No, you are right, Victor Lidloff. He's, he's not good enough to be a first-choice defender for Manchester United. I've been banging the drum for weeks now that United's priority in the transfer market needs to be a centre-half. It has to be a centre-half. No question in my mind it needs to be a centre-half, even more so than Jadon Sancho. Because I know you talked about on the show the other day about Harry Maguire. I know you told me how displeased with Maguire you've been in the previous few games. So these lap, just really... Um, indefensible lapses of concentration that you've yeah. been having. You know, I imagine like Roy Keane threw his sofa across the living room when he saw some of those bits of defending. So, yeah, we need a top-class centre-half. It's really, really important. That's got to be the priority, I think, more than a forward. That, that, I know it's a weird statement, but last night, although we kept a clean sheet, I think it was arguably one of the most... Suppose displeasing defensive performances yeah. of a season. Probably De Gea's probably De Gea's De Gea was best excellent. performance. Yeah, but he yeah. has been excellent for the last couple of games. Actually, I thought he was he he's been very good for the last couple of games. But yeah, if it wasn't for him, we would have been in big trouble. So you had the back four of Wamba Saka, Victor Lindelof, Harry Maguire, and a surprise trying to left back Timothy Fozu Mensa. Now it was Fozu Mensa's first game back this season. We're talking about it. From basically from three games to the end of the season so he's missed a big chunk of football um, and he came in and the talk before the game Mike was based around Diego Zalo and how he was named on the bench completely overlooked by a player who has had no football this season Is this does this spell the end for Dallo? Yeah I think so it's clear that for, for whatever reason I don't know Ole's not a fan I can't really say much more than that. I thought so. Um, you can't say much about... more because we haven't really seen him, have we? Like this season, he, like, you know, there was a time come back from the pandemic. I was wondering, is he still alive? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, but you know, I don't, I don't know what's gone on. Maybe just Ole's seen enough of him in training to think this guy's really not quite up to uh, up to scratch. What can I say? Because I, I don't want to knock him because Ole's recruitment has been very good. And I think the players he's moved out have been correct. So if he doesn't think he's good enough, on the coaching staff who have a big say in things as well, don't think he's good enough. I can't really argue with that, to be honest. Aside from that, though, I think the, def- the defensive front, and I already mentioned I wasn't too happy with it, going into the, the last two league games this season, and of course the Chelsea game, which we'll talk about, you know you need to be much better defensively and much more solid and assertive. Um, it's... Last night, I think they got away with playing against Palace, who the likes of Wilfred Zaha and that, like you mentioned, Victor Lindelof, they, they nearly had us under the cosh a few times, and it was very, very caged throughout the game because United never really took control of it um, until they got their second goal, and until, really, the man that changed the game was Nemanja Matic coming off the bench for Scott McTominay, who I thought also, a player who I've been calling to get to step in, um, didn't have a good night either. No, he didn't. No, and uh, it was surprising. That really, really surprising that um, he, he he just wasn't very good at all um, in that game. I wonder if the Chelsea game. We need to maybe look at bringing Fred in. To be honest, um, Fred seems to be a little bit more diligent with his pressing. I don't know, but Tony just looked kind of someone who hadn't had much game time. Do you know what I mean? He just yeah. didn't look sharp. He didn't look on the ball. Maybe he should have, you know, for whatever reason. Because usually McTominay is very, very good. He's quite a disciplined footballer. So um, I'm willing to give McTominay the benefit of the doubt. because oh, he's, course, he's yeah. As far as I'm concerned, he's, he's he just had an off day. It's the same with Wan-Bissaka. Wan-Bissaka had an awful game. Yeah. You know what? Players will have bad games. Even the best players have a bad game every now and then. And um, I'll give Wan-Bissaka deserves to have the benefit of the doubt. It's all about having good graces, right? It's like if Bruno Fernandes has one bad game, you go, yeah, you know, you just write that off. Move on. Um, what pleases me is that we came off the back of a disappointing result against Southampton and then the players showed the resolve to hang in there and get a result and get a win when we needed it, when we weren't playing well. Um, and I thought Rashford and Martial were, were really good when they were getting on the game yesterday. I thought they were fantastic, the two of them. They were making things happen and it's good to see um, those two guys just grabbing hold of the team in the game by the scruff of the neck and saying, hey. Absolutely. And speaking about the two of them, because I mentioned it in an article on the blog last night, that when the season started, I think every fan noted that Solskjaer, even though if you weren't happy with Alexa Sanchez or Romelu Lukaku, 
there's a lot of people still saying that two two experienced strikers, it's a massive risk um, letting them go in the one transfer window and not having the time then to get in a, a replacement. And that immediately put... I, I, I don't think Solskjaer did this on purpose. I think it just happened because time ran out. But he had two strikers, or two attacking players, Martial and Rashford, who neither of them had scored 20 goals in one season before. So United were going into a campaign with these two players, almost depending on them to provide the goals. And absolute credit to them, they've stood up. The both of them have stood up. Anthony Martial has to get his number nine back, and he's definitely, definitely warrants that. Um, it, it's crazy, Mike, to think that these two players have both had lengthy, lengthy spells out months out this season and they're still returning 20 plus goals in all competitions so to be honest people might it might take a bit of the spotlight off getting a center forward in the summer and give united a chance to go all out and get a right winger Jadon sancho yeah or you know a center half dale can i can i say it again by a center half please if you, if you keep <laughs> saying it the war might get back <laughs> yeah no i think ole's probably spotted quicker than anyone that we need a centre-half. And certainly if he hasn't, Michael Carrick definitely would have spotted it. Um, yeah, brilliant. Um, Martial's so clinical as well, Martial, in, in now what we're seeing. Um, he doesn't seem to need that many chances to score a goal. So times you watch him in games, just one, and he's scored. Um, he's, he's so cool and composed in front of goal. It's almost like Solskjaer is has managed to get him, because obviously he's a bit of an introverted personality, someone doesn't show him much emotion, and it's almost like Ole's managed to get him to channel that in a way that he's able to really frighten defenders, because I think one of the worst things with defenders is that you've got this forward running at you, and he's incredibly quick, but also a guy who doesn't seem to be remotely flustered or showing any emotion whatsoever, so you can't really read what he's going to do. Um, and Martial can go on either foot as well, which is another problem for defenders. So that's a big problem. And in terms of Rashford, the way he's developed his game, getting involved more with the build-up and creation of play, his passing, I didn't know until, he, until we've come back um, into the restart how good Marcus Rashford's passing is. It's outstanding. Yeah. Like, I think his game he's becoming game. more of a... Um, He's becoming a little bit more like a like a Harry Kane type of forward, almost like between a nine and a ten. We're starting to see him develop into this kind of play. He's definitely changed his game. This was highlighted. Um, there was a uh, tactician stats analyst who'd highlighted this about uh, two weeks ago, I think. Um, did he link him to Kevin De Bruyne by any chance for chances created since he came back? Was that part of the Some, tweet? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because he, he has created a lot of chances. He's developing into a different kind of player. Because Greenwood and Martial have taken the, the burden off of maybe getting goals a little bit more, um, Rashford is getting involved more in the build-up of play, you know, in the way that, you know, someone like Wayne Rooney would have done or, or something like that. So that's really, really good to see as well. But it does um, the way that he's able to so quickly develop his game, that does tell you with... Um, what Paul McGuinness, the former United youth coach, always said about Rashford, that he was always so on the ball in terms of developing his game and trying to learn new skills and soak up as much information and add new facets to his game as quickly as he could. That really, really does tell you that. It just shows you how, it just shows you that um, I think what maybe Solskjaer had spotted with Martial and Rashford and the scene with Greenwood that he didn't see, certainly not with Sanchez, was maybe a hunger Mm, no, absolutely. I, I think I think to bring up um, since we're going through pretty much all the players, we left out kind of left out Mason Greenwood, and an important point to make about him is, is something that Louis Van Gaal said when he was United manager about young players is that you cannot expect that level of consistency from a player of eighteen, nineteen. They haven't developed that part of their game yet, and I think I think we're starting definitely starting to see some truth to that. Um, no discredits, of course, to Mason Greenwood. Um, I'm I'm so excited about what he's going to bring to the table, but he looked lethargic against Southampton on Monday night, um, and he was pretty ineffective again last night. Um, he squandered a great opportunity, of course, too, in the first half, but this is all part and parcel with what we're developing here. This is one of, if not the most exciting young upcoming strikers in Europe. People might say Erling Haaland. I don't think this kid 
has shown stuff that he's too far away from that. I really don't. His finishing is just something else. Um, and maybe it would be time now in one of the last two games to give Daniel James another start and throw him back into the mix. Um, and that's not to say you can't throw Mason Greenwood back in. I, I just think that between the two of them, with Daniel James is, is a little bit more experienced, still I wouldn't call him experienced, but a little bit more so than Mason Greenwood, use the two of them against one another. He's you know? certain, I would say uh, James is a more disciplined player, for sure, because of the time he spent playing in the, playing in the Championship. That, that season he played in the championship. So he does have more defensive discipline to his game. I wonder whether I would start actually start Daniel James against Chelsea just to have someone to do that pressing yeah. off the ball against because Chelsea's defence is you know you know I mean we need some bad defenders but Chelsea's defence is far worse than ours and yeah. their full backs particularly I mean if they're gonna have Marcus Alonso at left back we, I would be putting I would be putting James on the right and just having him constantly pressing Marcus Alonso every time the ball came near him. To be quite honest, because I think um, I think we can really exploit that there. Look, looking back at the game, of course, two nil. Performance itself wasn't too dissimilar. I didn't think to the game on Monday night against the Hampton. Players are looking tired, and um, we can't deny that. And I think going into this game, as we previewed the FA Cup semi final against Chelsea. I really think there's going to be some players rested here. I think this is he's going to, he's going to take the sacrifice in the cup. Um, he's going to go all out and win the league or get top four in the league and try to win the Europa League. Um, but in the FA Cup, I don't see him going guns ablazing this weekend with the teams we've been seeing in the past few weeks. And I wouldn't be surprised either if uh, if Chelsea did something similar. Yeah, also, but if I'm so sure, I'm thinking, all right, Chelsea are a good team, but from the well, we've played them three times already this season. Yeah, and we've beaten them three times. You know, just wanna just wanna get that out there that we've beaten them three times already this season, and um, pretty much in the same way every single time. I think Solskjaer, I think Chelsea are quite an easy team to to play against in some ways. Um, they're certainly extremely naive defensively. If I'm Solskjaer, I'm thinking, you know, I can maybe make a few changes here and there get some players in I know will diligently carry out some defensive duties and just smash and grab on the break I mean that's what I would do I, I would do that that's what I mean you mentioned I, already that Scott McTominay looked like he needed minutes he looked rusty and I can see him starting again this weekend I can see Fred starting I, I, think, I think him and Fred might yeah. actually start I wouldn't be surprised if um Oh, he won't rest. He won't rest Bruno, will he? He'll never rest him. So that means Pogba probably doesn't play. But this is what I was saying the other night. So I said, "Oh, Bruno Fernandez needs a rest." Okay, you've two league games left. You got the FA Cup semi-final, so that's potentially two games in the FA Cup left, bringing it to four. In the Europa League, we still have the second leg of our last 16, isn't it? Is it last 16 or is it quarter-final? Last 16. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not until the 5th of August, that, though. When yeah. There'll be a lot, I and mean, we've got a 5 and aggregate league, so there's going to be a lot of changes for that game. Of course. So there's not that many games left to play, and I'm sure Bruno Fernandes wants to play. Uh, I think he'd start this weekend, too. United, as you've seen last night, when Matic came on the pitch... Then it became Bruno Fernandez working in, in, in the in the final third. Things started to click into place, and you might some people might have the view that oh we, we can throw Jesse Lingard in or throw Juan Mata in, but can people not remember a few months back when we didn't have Bruno Fernandez and we had no other choice but to throw them in, and these and what we're seeing defenses being unlocked that wasn't happening because we hadn't they hadn't got the ability to do that. Mata had not anymore. Jesse Lingard doesn't, and we just need to, to get over that hill now and move on. And in the summer, try find Lingard a new club. I I don't agree with the abuse Lingard gets. And he came on the pitch last night, and I seen a tweet from Phil Brown, who was spot on, and saying that look, you've got 20 or 30 minutes. Come on and do what you can. You know, it gets sense of support no matter how what you think of him as a player, because some people just jump online and just abuse people when, when, when they even start or yeah. if they're player they it's the same thing Ashley Young, Ashley Young used to get this as well yeah it's just, 
it's not constructive. And, and another thing as well is you, you might listen to, to our reviews some moments ago on the game last night. And you might think, Jesus, that's quite, you know, negative stuff. Well, the performance wasn't good last night. And I got, I got one tweet on the Australian News account calling us anti-United. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the reason being, actually, at, at the stage of the match, I tweeted, we were 1-0 up. And I said, a Palace goal seems pretty inevitable right now. Dot, dot, yeah, dot. Yeah, it is. Wake, it is. wake up, United. And that was deemed anti-United. And I was trying to think, are you joking me? Yeah. Like, you can't literally say that team played bad without going over the top, <clears> literally. And, you know, they didn't play well last night. I don't think. Yeah. They won 2 nil. They got a clean sheet. We'll be happy with that. We'll be, I'll be happy who, with that. Who, who, was this, who was this person that said this? Is this one of those people that doesn't have their own photo? Is their their Twitter thing? Yeah, or is and, it one of those people whose whose profile photo looks like the divorced dar sliding into some young girl's DMs? Is that is that is that who this was? Almost, although his name was Karen. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's social media for you, and it, it it's kind of. I listened to another podcast the other day about those kind of people posting, and. Some, someone called them, blind boy called them um, Facebook brain worms. So, so th- these were Twitter brain worms they were, that they were yes. being eaten by. Uh, many, I, many brain worms. Absolutely. And you, you can go online, you find that everywhere. But, but yeah, look, we have the FA Cup to look forward to, of course, this weekend. But my point has been in the past few weeks, I've had this mentality that the FA Cup has taken the back seat this season. Would you agree? I think. I think so. Had had we not had the pandemic and stuff, we probably could have yeah. really maybe pushed a bit harder for it. But the um, this ludicrous fixture list, and by the sounds of the um, now they're going to allow five substitutes next season as well, which means they're going to try and cram every single fucking game into a compressed period of time. Um, yeah, you know, nobody gets to complain if clubs decide they're going to stick out the youth team for a cup competition because it's like, well, what the hell else are they supposed to do? Um, and I think uh, in terms of winning a trophy, I think the Europa League needs to be the priority because it's a slightly bigger trophy to win. And also it would it would definitely, you know, it's it's another guarantee of of Champions League football. And also if you look at some of the teams that are still left in the Europa League, you've got Roma, you've got um, Inter, a couple of other really good teams as well who might well be in the Champions League next season. It's almost a bit of a good sort of grounding work for some of these players to go and play in the Champions League next season. Uh, don't get me wrong. Listen, I really hope we win on Sunday. I want us to win. Just to beat Chelsea again would be nice. But to go and win the FA Cup, uh, but it's still no guarantees because Manchester City will probably... Is it Arsenal they've got in the, the other semi-final? Yes, so. They'll absolutely steamroller Arsenal. That's going to be like 4-0 Dale. Especially if David Luiz is playing. Um, so... You know, there's, there's, I mean, we could beat Man City as well. We've already managed to beat them home and away this season. So, but there's no guarantees, I think. But in terms of the Europa League, I've really got us down as favourites to that competition, Dale. I'll be quite honest with you, the form that we're in. I don't think anyone left in that competition is going to be looking forward to playing us. Pretty and, sure Bruno um, Fernandes has a great record in the Europa League from his time at Sporting as well. Yeah, and um, I think the draw plays fairly favourably for us as well in terms of how the, the sides of the draw have worked out. So, um, you know, uh, that's that's the priority for winning a trophy this season. But we need to win a trophy this season, for sure, irrespective of whether we get Champions League football. We've got to win a trophy. Those players need a trophy. Well, it's the form we've had since since January. The players want a trophy. I, I, I think it would actually be quite detrimental to the squad's morale if they end up this season trophyless because of the way they've played, the records that they've racked up with the unbeaten runs and goals scored and the improvement defensively we've seen with more, you know, less goals conceded. Mm. To, to end this season without a trophy, when we're talking now, right at the arse end of it, we've got the FA Cups, we're still in the FA Cup, we're still in the Europa League. So much to fight for, it would be really disappointing if we finish with nothing. But it's it's like what Ferguson used to do, right? It's if you even if you can't win the league, uh, keep a trophy or two just rolling in there every single season. I think on average we were winning 
at least one trophy season if you were probably more than one trophy season under Ferguson if you worked it out the average. Even like if you look back at the late eight, the, the early nineties, you know, you win the FA Cup in nineteen ninety, you win the Cup Winners Cup in ninety one, we won the League Cup in nineteen ninety two when we didn't win the league, or if you think when we went I think it was two two or three seasons without winning the league in the mid two thousands, we still won the FA Cup, we won the League Cup. So we, we getting playing these big matches gets the players ready. And for someone like Popper as well, obviously you've got the negotiations over a new contract going on. I think if he looks at the if he gets to this business end of this season, we've secured top four, we're in a big cup final, got a trophy coming in, that's maybe just gonna think, well, you know what, in current circumstances, I've got a pretty good deal here. So let's just, you know, let's settle down, let's let's go again for another season or two, you know? Because he's still only 26, 27. He's got plenty of time left, you know. I'm sure he will move on at some point, but just little things like that is what persuade players to stick around. And I think if you looked at Spurs as an example for a brilliant job as they did to get top four every year, I do think it was detrimental to that squad to not win a a couple of trophies. Just actually on that, because it's an interesting point, I want to bring... Liverpool under Brendan Rodgers into this and of course mm. Leicester this season too because I see this part of the season being so so important even to the future of Manchester United under Solskjaer it's going to set the tone for what happens when our backs are against the wall when we have big games coming up and it's must win games the the game against the Hampton it did it, it, it really bothered me because Forgive, forgive Bob and Solskjaer as well, because he didn't really make any excuses for that performance. No, and I, I, I think this is where a manager puts the cream on top, as, as Ferguson used to do. It's, it's at the end of the season, you're all fighting, you're all scrapping for your trophies, um, trying to get up that table, and next season hopefully we'll be challenging for the title. But team cannot show any signs of surrender now. They've got so far. I know it's a tough ask, and the run they're on is remarkable. But if they slip up here, it will forever come back to haunt them when they're in a similar situation of must-win games. And it's just funny how it worked out with has worked out with, since Project Restart with Leicester. You've had um, Leicester absolutely collapse. I know they're still ahead of us. I know the best Sheffield United last night. But they absolutely collapsed. Their levels of performance totally dropped. When Liverpool almost won the league, when Drag had that infamous slip, they absolutely collapsed under Roy Hodgson. And quite naively, too, if you remember the game against Crystal Palace when it ended 3-all at Selhurst Park, complete naive naive from, from Rodgers trying to outscore known City had a, had a bigger goal difference or something. When, look, the bread and butter is to get the three points on the board and whatever happens after that happens. But I think now for Solskjaer, this is where he develops his, his 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 own winning formula mentality he can get across the line here the players will really believe going into next year's campaign they have a point to prove if they don't you're going to have trouble this summer i suspect you're yes. going to have the likes of paul pogba giving the wrong messages because let's face it we, we're all Manchester fans listen to this podcast we're united fans and we don't want to basically admit it but paul pogba has played for manchester united for since your turn is four, maybe five years, he has not played enough Champions League football. No. He is a top, top player, as are other players in the dressing room. And when you start to narrow things down and take the, the, the red tinted glasses off, which can be hard to remove at times, you need to begin to see where a player's coming from. United need to be in the Champions League. And if there's a United player in the dressing room that's happy with the past few years, they need to. They need. To, they need outing. They need out. Yeah, yeah. They can't be. You can't have. You can't have like that. that Set, settling for that rubbish. Paul Pogba is hungry to be back in the Champions League, and he needs to stand up. There was times last night against um against Palace when it was one nil and we hadn't got complete control, and I was calling for someone, and none. There was very few players willing to to come and receive the ball and to be the one to make something happen. They all want to do it when we're 2 nil up or when we're 3-0 up. There's not enough. I know we've complimented the team. I had saying there's leaders there. There's there's not enough of the type of leader I want. And one of the players that kept doing things last night, kept trying, was Bruno Fernandes. When things even weren't working out, he kept trying. But we need people to be more hungry winners. The kind of Roy Keane leader that... You look back at the semi-final that we reviewed 
um, against Juventus. And he picked that. I look at that, and at the start of the game, United weren't in it. And I think he looked around them on the pitch and said, what is going on here? He put in a big lunge and got a yellow card early on. And I think that's what gave a fright to all the United players in that match. And basically, we mean business, boys. Wake Not even up. people as good as Roy Keane. I always remember um, uh, when we played Arsenal, probably at a time where Arsenal had a better team than we did. And that famous game where Phil Neville played in midfield mm. and he put in that crunching challenge on Vieira, just left Vieira on the deck. <clears> but, you know, that's whenever you think of Phil Neville, what, what Phil Neville did have was a character and a mentality. You know, you had a team full of people. It's just people sometimes just putting the marker down and saying to the other players, hey, look, this is, this is, this is where you need to be right now. This is mentally where you need to be. You need to be getting involved and... Yeah, you mentioned Bruno Fernandes. Absolutely was one of those players. And I, I, I felt Marcus Rashford was one of those players yesterday as well. He was trying to get, you know, he was coming, searching for the ball. Martial was doing a lot of, get, let's get a ball up here. Come on, let's get it moving. Um, yeah, we need a couple more people like that. And this is what I'm saying, part of the reason we go out and get, going out and getting a top-class centre-half, he's maybe got a little bit of that about him. It's just to kick people up the arse, you know. And... Um, yeah, I think that that's a big thing for us as well. I think that's why, um, in terms of maybe you know fans, it's very easy to look from the outside of the club looking and go, "Why aren't we buying this player? Why aren't we buying this player? Why aren't we buying this player?" I said, "Look, it's all very well, you know, say buying this player and this, but we've done that for the previous four or five years, and it's not got us anywhere because mentally, character-wise, they've not been the right player for the club. You need to have these kind of players." if you're going to be challenging for league titles. You know, you need to have people like, people like to say digs at Jordan Henderson, but in terms of his character and in terms of what he brings, in terms of the leadership, in terms of, you know, grabbing people, his teammates by the scruff of the net and saying, look, you need to, you know, let's get ourselves sorted here. Jordan Henderson is absolutely the kind of player who's going to do that for you. And that's why he's the captain of that team. It's very simple. Same with Virgil van Dijk, you know. That's what... You know, um, Firmino is another one of those players, always hunting, always searching for the ball, always trying to drag the team up by the scruff of the neck. Um, Kevin De Bruyne at Man City as well, I think he's, you may not outwardly think he's that sort of player because he's technically so good. Kevin De Bruyne is always hunting for the ball, he's always coming in, he's always trying to make things happen. It's so imp- And that's, that's the main thing that Bruno Fernandes has brought to Manchester United since he's arrived. We didn't have somebody doing that before. Simple. Mike, before we call it a day, I want to bring up one other topic, which is arguably one of the bigger stories of the week. Um, broke by Miguel Delaney of The Independent. It was Manchester United braced as PSG make Marcus Rashford top transfer target. And straight away, when I seen the links to PSG, I thought, not a chance. I thought, Rashford's at his boyhood club. He's now a key part of a progressive team that are constantly getting better and better and better. Um, do you know what is this about? So uh, read out some of the article. Um, basically, Thomas Tuchel sees Marcus Rashford as a top target. Tuchel has been even more emphatic when discussing it with key figures around the club. He thinks England don't realise how good a player Rashford actually is. The Old Trafford hierarchy, however, greatly value Rashford. It may take quite the offer to see how much. Even in this COVID-19 deflated market, you know, I would want over £100 million. Tuchel would probably be willing to pay it. The PSG boss adores Rashford's directness and versatility. He feels that willingness to run as well as some of the more selfish aspects of his game can greatly complement Neymar and Kylian Mbappe. Rashford could even represent a long-term alternative to Mbappe if Real Madrid can eventually make their move there. Um, John sees Ratnell's interest in this piece. Yes, he sees Rashford as the is quote the most perfect model of the modern dynamic attacking player, and um, that you can see fitting into elite teams. This is all all praise. Um, we have put a, a request out to get an exclusive interview with Oli Gattasoshar just to ask him what he thinks of Kylian Mbappe. Because this <laughs> just, is just, just, a, just to throw a spanner into the works. Yeah, because he hasn't said anything really. It's not really groundbreaking. PSG won Rashford. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Uh, yeah, and it, also, if, so, if someone asks, 
you know, someone asks Thomas Tuchel, Thomas Tuchel, as a, at least Thomas Tuchel is someone who is a coach who does think deeply about the tactical side of the game, right? There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But if someone asks him about a player, you know, in terms of what do you think of this player, he's allowed to give an opinion. Like, I don't I have don't a problem take... with him. And I don't I... have an issue with, you know, if PSG are interested, you know, why wouldn't they be? Why wouldn't any club be interested in Marcus Rashford? I will say I will raise one um, point that's why I want to bring it up. This 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 piece of news was published three days ago. And Miguel Delaney is a, a journalist that, that we have a lot of respect for. He's um he's covered a lot of stuff on United. He's a very good writer, and I believe he's coming from from a good source, a source that I, I can back up some of the information. But what I find quite weird, Mike, is that three days this came out. And nobody from Rashford's camp has batted it down. Now, I'm not saying to fear that Rashford could be leaving. What I am saying is, is there a motive behind this? To use Marcus Rashford's newfound, um, I suppose, his the perception that he has and all the fantastic work he's done with helping provide foods for the, for the hungry kids of the UK... Um, he's a remarkable young man and I think we've really seen it in the last six months that he's not just an unbelievable footballer and I think because he, all, he almost sees now the full package, are they trying to get a bigger deal out of Manchester United because like I said this this story has not been batted down I haven't seen any claims from any other outlet to say that Rashford's people are saying it's not true not true Possibly. It's probably a game, bit of a game going on here. It's always going. This this is this is stuff that's been going on in the game for 25, 30 years. You know, uh, you brought up Roy Keane before. Roy Keane had had situations like this, and he's talked about it openly since he's retired, where he'd had conversations with big European clubs while he was at United. Um, so there's a bit of gamesmanship going on there, issues with contract. Yeah, this happens all the time. I mean, you were mentioning about... Um, you know, someone as good as Pogba, you know, should be playing more Champions League football than he is. I would say the same for Marcus Rashford yeah. as well. He needs is at a point in his career where he's feel okay, I'm kicking on, but also part of what you do to, to develop yourself as a player, you need to be playing at the high. You need to be playing against other elite players all the time, right? At yeah. a, an extremely high level. Now, in terms of domestically. You go into France, you're not going to be playing at the same level. It's not because the gap between PSG and the rest because of resources is huge. But he's guaranteed Champions League football every season. Um, and obviously for PSG, I'm not surprised because um, they need a replacement for Cavani. That's, that's um, and I love Edinson Cavani, amazing footballer, so selfless as well in terms of a worker. And was a is there a better player? Is there a better player in that role to replace Cavani? Now that I just think about it, it's it's no wonder. The only one I could think of would be Firmino, Bobby Firmino from Liverpool, who, do, who, who again, is selfless, but won't get as many goals. But he, better he than Rashford? Slightly different player, I suppose. Different player. I, 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 I suppose I, Firmino is a little bit more like... Um, well, he's, better, he's a better player than Jesse Lingard, but maybe a little bit more in that mould, possibly. But he would be the only person who could sort of fulfil in terms of a, a dynamic, hard-working, attacking player that is going to add some goals, but also, um, you know, help improve already fantastic players around him. There's, there's not many of that. There's not many. But those are the only two I can think of off the top of my head, Dale, that you could maybe say would perform perform at that level. The other one I would maybe chuck out there is somebody who could also do that would maybe be Lacazette. Um, although he's maybe better coming in from out wide, but that would be the only other one I can think of at the top of my head. But there's, there's not many. There's not many. And with Rashford, he's, what, 22? Yeah. So if you're too cool, it's like um, he's the right age. He's got the fitness levels. He's got the, the way that Tuchel likes to play. He's got everything you want. And in terms of the other big players in that dressing room, if you're like Neymar and Mbappe, you see, we've got Rashford coming in. This is great. You know, I'd stick around, you know. And yeah, it could be a difference maker for them in terms of, you know, being an almost team in the Champions League and a team that actually wins the Champions League. Because I don't 
I'll be honest, Dale, I don't think they're going to win it this year. I don't see past Bayern Munich to win that competition. To carry on the, that report, um, some inf- in- interesting information. It says, it isn't only interest, Rash- this, yeah, this isn't the only interest Rashford has had from major continental clubs, after all. Barcelona were very keen last year at the time. They were trying to increase their points of attack and trying to figure out who best to sign. They felt Rashford would have been perfectly suited to La Liga. They were also particularly impressed with the England, with his England form and felt these showed that bigger games... He'd be a good foil out. for Messi. He'd be a really good foil for Messi. I think uh, Messi would have liked having him there. Yeah, and, and this is the reason they didn't. So Barcelona didn't at the time, both because they believed it would be too difficult to do a deal with United and because there was an existing dialogue with Anton Griezmann. What is true is that Rashford probably would have suited Barcelona's 4-3-3 better than the French star, especially when producing that wider radar from form that Gareth Southgate has so um, basically pushed. But the interesting part is the PSG, Miguel Delaney says, would be prepared to go stronger. And when he says stronger, is basically go ahead and make an offer. Well, they would um, have to pay... They would have to probably match at least what they paid for Mbappe, which is 160 million. I think they would be having to offer around that ballpark deal, even in this current environment, because United, well, no one's going to be spending as much money, but United aren't crying out for the cash. So it's it's for United, and this is the thing why it's important to get Pogba tied down to maybe a couple more years on the contracts. Puts United in a fantastic bargaining position for any clubs that want to buy our players. It's like, this is what you're going to have to pay. Can you pay this? Can you really pay this? And this is going to be this is the issue with Real Madrid. Real Madrid cannot pay what we would ask for Paul Pogba. They can't pay that right now. They just can't no, pay it. No, they spent a lot of money last summer, Real Madrid. None of that money has worked out for them. Not really, apart from maybe Rodrigo. But if you look at Luka Jovic, you look at Mendy. Hazard's barely played there. He's been injured for almost the entire season. Yeah, and he came yeah. back. And he came back looking like um, you know late era Marlon Brando when he arrived at pre-season training. He was massive. Um, was was wasn't there a, a, a an Instagram picture? One of the Madrid um, teammates. I think they kind of photoshopped it with some emojis, um, and it was like a picture in training where like. His backside looks massive, and they're all like looking at a point. He's always had a big backside, you know. It's a bit like um, Wayne Rooney always had a big bum, or like um, what, Ivanovic. Uh, Suarez, Ivanovic. Suarez as well. Luis Suarez was another one, and Luis Suarez has this really weird running style where he's almost like sticking his bum out when it's running, so it looks weird. Hazard's probably one of those guys where he's just naturally because he's he's quite short as well. He's quite a big... Aguero's like this as well. I always think if, when Aguero stops playing, I could see him sort of like blooming out a little bit, to be honest. Because Developing just, a Nicky Minaj. I think so, yeah. So he's... Um, <laughs> but uh, obviously that had always been an issue with Eden Hazard, that um, amazing footballer, but he was not maybe the the thing with weight... Why clubs didn't maybe go in to try and get Hazard off Chelsea sooner was because they maybe felt there was somewhat a little bit missing with his attitude in terms of, you know, um, he wasn't Ronaldo levels of committed, if, yeah. if you know what I mean, yeah. in terms of fitness and, and keeping yourself up well, there. Well, look, I, I was speaking to a well-respected French journalist who um, made a really good point about this when I asked about Paul Pogba. And he said that everyone, everyone in every job can do more. Um, Lionel Messi could run more. He doesn't just particularly like basically run around the pitch for 90 minutes and he probably could run more. The whole point is that everyone can put in that little bit extra. And he was actually not only referring to footballers, he was actually talking about the pandemic um, yeah. and face masks yeah. and all these things. He was like, everyone, everyone can do more. Um, so just a, it's an interesting one. You talk about Hazard's personality there. Um, and I think, speaking of personalities, it, I've, I haven't seen Manchester United and the players seem so happy in years. Uh, I just wanted yes. to make that point because it, it, it just seems it's harmony. There's no, there's no drifts in the squad. There's no one unhappy with the manager. And I'm, I'm still questioning Solskjaer's tactical nous. I'm not going to lie. I, 
I, do, I don't quite see that he's one of the best tacticians in the game by any means. But a lot of credit to him that he's kept this Manchester United team very, very happy. And is, the team... is there an argument to say, Dale, though, that he is basically, essentially, Solskjaer is essentially more the director of football than he is the head coach? Because it looks that way to me. Yeah, maybe, because I think they haven't appointed director of football. He's someone that I think has always talked to talk about what he views Manchester United as being. I think that does make a bit of sense. But but also, he's grown into the role in the past year. Because when he first came in, he actually used to, he used to bug me watching his interviews. Because it started off with the crap about... Um, being unsure whether he should be allowed to park in Alex Ferguson's um, car spot because it was the manager's car spot. You're the manager, buddy. That's where you park. And, you know, th- th- Ferguson has moved on. We had to get away from that. That's what We kept living in the past about, well, Ferguson did this differently. This is new time, new manager. And I don't, I don't, I hate this whole thing of always having to compare him to, oh, Fergie did that or, or whatever. He's his so own the key man. thing is he stopped doing that. He has. He was doing yeah. that, and he's long since stopped doing that. He really has not done that at all this no. season. He no, will I... say things like, look, you know, we need to be better because we're Manchester United, but that's because those are the standards that need to be set if you're a big yeah. football club. That's not living in the past. That's like, look, we're an elite club with huge resources. We need to be better than this. This is not good enough. And um, I always say, you know, just... He will not go easy on the players, but he's also not going to sell individual players out, which I, I like. You know, you can deal with that back of house and still make it clear in a post-match interview that you don't think the players were good enough. It was quite clear after the Southampton game that he didn't think the players were at it. And he said that he didn't deserve to win the game. And he said, look, we didn't deserve to win that game today. Southampton deserved deserved what they got. Probably deserved a bit more, to be honest, Southampton. The only thing that they didn't do is they didn't create enough enough chances that was the Savants' problem but you know he's and I've seen it a few times this season games where we hadn't we hadn't even games we've won and Solskjaer's still saying yeah well you know the, um I think he mentioned um I think it was after the was it the Villa game or the the Bournemouth was, game was, he wasn't was happy game. with the first half an hour at all you could see he recently said when we went on that run of consecutive games with him three, three by three goal margins, he was yeah. asked. He was asked about it. Oh, and he should he, have been winning by more. Should have been winning by more. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, he's right. He should have been winning by more in some of yeah. those games. It's Absolutely. um, you know, so he's he's pushing the players. The difference is the players aren't happy because they think they're on they think they're on their jollies. The players are happy because they're motivated and they want to win football matches and they look ready. I mean, it was it was funny when Rashford scored yesterday. I didn't. His he his celebration was kind of like, yeah, I've scored. All right, yeah, it's high fives. Can we get back now, please? He, he was. That's what it was. Um, yeah. And uh, the other thing was when you see the big grin on Martial's face when he scored yesterday after he basically sat down. Have uh, you take a you know, and he put himself on the line by the way, Dale, to get that goal. That you know that challenge that left Van Arnold laid out. Like, he's gone in there, he's took the risk to get himself in because he really wanted that goal. He was like, I no, I need it. goal today. Before we go, I owe an apology to Van Arnold, apparently, because <laughs> I, I didn't even notice last night after we got that second goal that he was floored and in need of oxygen. I, I, I didn't see it. I just I got the goal and he jumped through my, my sitting room window. And I took to Twitter and I said, like, you know, finally, like, some breathing space because... It was it was one nil for so long, and like uh, like I said, a Palace goal was inevitable. We really need that goal, that cushion, and I posted finally some breathing space, and someone like basically replied saying that is so distasteful with Van Annals on the ground crippled. I, I see it there. I was like, Do you know what? I'm not deleting that because I really did not mean it in that way at all. It was totally unintentionally. And then secondly, after the match, you had. Like all the players do, they post their 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 post match um tweet and social media. I don't I don't know whether they post it or not, but a, a tweet came from from Jesse Lingard's account that I'm going to get it up here because y- you have to go and see it yourself. Really, he says important three points, muscles emoji, get well soon, and he tags Van Anholt. 
with a praying emoji and love heart. But it's it's the picture and Van Anhalt's reply, which is just one of the best things I've seen on Twitter in a long, long time. The picture is Lingard, Martial and Rashford celebrating, smiling, the goal's gone in. And then you have Van Anhalt on the ground, absolutely creased. He, re- <laughs> <laughs> he replies, love, bro. Pick still a bit mad. <laughs> <laughs> so... Like, I apologise, but it was unintentional. And I, 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 the thing with Jesse Lingard was, the picture he posted, it was it was quite cruel. That was the one picture he took from the game. And Van Aanholt is, is floored. Hey, listen, we said he wanted more of a main streak in the players. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Stick, the boot, <laughs> stick the boot in while they're down. That's what I say. Excellent. Mike, That's what Manchester you... United are all about. Yeah, and a slab-headed, bin-headed centre-back as well to go along with it. <laughs> Mike, how can people follow you on social media? Um, well, first and foremost, follow the account for the podcast. Um, so the Strettycast account, which is just at Strettycast. Cap it less, so get on that one. Uh, follow that first and foremost. My own social account is um, at Mycroft, capital M underscore Holmes. We'll have a, uh, another... Icons of Old Trafford coming out uh, over the weekend, which is going to be Nicky Butt. It's sort of second to last one in the, the class of sort of the Fergie's fledgling series. Um, obviously, Gary Neville is the one that's out at the moment. I do encourage you to go and read that because I have sort of, uh, you know, I, I quite a vociferous defence of Gary Neville because I don't think he got the credit he deserved from outside of the club because people just had a personal dislike for him rather than actually appreciate what I outstanding world-class fullback he was. Um, probably second only in his position to maybe Cafu. He was the only one that I would say that was better, but you look at him and probably Mitchell Salgado and I mean, really, really outstanding. Great player. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be Nicky Butt this week. He was one of the first guys really to break, after Ryan Giggs to break into, well, he was the second guy after Giggs to break into the first team squad. 94-95 um, season, he played quite a lot of games. Um, because both Keane had had the odd few injuries here and there. Um, so Nicky Buck would fill in and deputise. And when we looked back at the um, Champions League uh, game against Barcelona, Nicky Buck started that game, played in midfield, in a midfield three with uh, Roy Keane and Paul Lins. So even at that point, he was regarded as um, an important player. He was a big player. He was seen in England, you've set up as... Um, as it was going to be a big player for England. He was probably England's best player at the 2002 World Cup. And uh, I think one of Roy Keane's favourite um, midfield partners as well. Roy Keane really liked playing with him in midfield. You get the, the the Gary Neville piece, of course, on the blog. I'd share that again on social media today and get people reading that. But, of course, Nicky Bolt will be out this weekend. Follow me on Twitter at O'Donnelldale or at Stretty News. Of course, the podcast Twitter is at Strettycast with a capital S. But just a, a quick um, request for people that listen to the podcast. No matter what platform you're listening on, if it's iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give us a review every week you listen to the podcast. And i tell you why. It's because all these big media outlets are basically flushing through the podcast stream now. They're all jumping on the podcast bandwagon. And it's making it difficult, a bit more difficult for us with the much less lesser budget um, a lesser audience to kind of branch out and expand their audience because there's so many podcasts coming out every week from little newspaper outlets and, and radio stations and TV channels and so on. So to keep us afloat and help us kind of branch out to, to more United fans, if you can simply like a review or a podcast on your platform every week, just give say something kind um, and get people... To, to listen to this we'd really appreciate it of course to that as well if you have a if you have a few quid um we can you can join our, our patreon so that's patreon.com forward slash straight news it's only small keeps us afloat keeps us getting the exclusive material we have been getting of late on the blog with interviews with number one football agent the card to forbes jonathan barnett we've interviewed marcus rashford you know, the, the, the list goes on in the past since the pandemic, really. So if you could help us out by either reviewing the podcast or becoming a member on Patreon, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, next podcast, probably Monday after the Chelsea game. So I'll hear from you, or you'll hear from me then. 
and have a good weekend and hopefully it's uh, it's one to remember as far as the FA Cup semi-final is concerned. Thanks for joining me, Mike, and look after yourself. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.